Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we have a special guest back again, Justin Guerrero from CU Sports Nation, Rivals.com. He's here to tell us more about the recruiting today because there's been some big news that I've brought up, but Justin is much more well-versed in, much more versed in, however you'd say that. That's Justin. Uh, How's it going, Justin? It's going. Uh, glad to be back. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me again. I, I enjoyed our, our lengthy conversation last time. Yeah, looking forward to it again. So glad, glad to be back. Yeah, no, I feel like in the first one, we really laid the groundwork. And yeah. we just kind of like laid out. Well, mostly you did. Mostly you laid out like the whole like setting of CU recruiting. And now, as long as we just like check in every few weeks, we can just kind of follow up and, and build on yeah. top of that. And there is plenty to build on top of it with. So let's just jump in right away with the two football signings that came in last week. Tyus Martin, the defensive tackle, uh, signed with CU, number one prospect in Arkansas. And and also Tyron Taylor, a cornerback, who's even more highly regarded. And I'm really excited to uh, see what he has to do. Um, Let's just start with Tyus Martin. What should we know about him? Well, I mean, I, I think first and foremost, um, and I would have to put out for clarification purposes, they haven't signed just yet. They are, they are verbal uh, pledges. I, I yeah. was, uh, the ink is, is no, <laughs> the ink is by no means dry on their national letter of intent. So every time, always, every time I say that, <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. And, um, it, how wonderful it would be if they were, they were signed right here now, but wouldn't um, it be even, yeah, even looking ahead, um, Colorado certainly will have to uh, fend off some, some poachers probably in the, the coming months here before uh, signing day approaches. But, I mean, at face value, you look at a guy like Tyus Martin and, and Chris Wilson bringing him in, 315-pound defensive tackle. A couple interesting things about him. Number one, when does Colorado ever jump into the state of Arkansas for recruiting mm-hmm. purposes? And I think the clear-cut answer is never. I mean, like, <laughs> I, Rivals like has a, a list of like every um, class, I think going back to like 2000 or 2001, and – just out of curiosity, I scanned through those classes to see if anyone in the last 20 years has signed with Colorado from the state of Arkansas, and I couldn't find one dude. So that is interesting in and of itself that Chris Wilson plucked the dude out of Arkansas, but the guy was the number one overall recruit within his class coming out of the state of Arkansas, which is awesome. Three-star dude, again, 315 pounds. He is set to be the heaviest interior defensive lineman that Colorado has brought in since Jalen Sammy in uh, the 2017 class. And huh. so when you talk about 
really getting some reinforcements in the trenches, the, the kind of guy that you want to build your defensive line of the future around. Like, boy, does Tyus Martin check a lot of boxes. I mean, absolutely just has the frame, very powerful guy, bursts off the line of scrimmage with, with intensity, has a knack for moving offensive linemen against their will. And it was just so quick. I, I think literally from, from the day he was offered until the day he verbally committed, 11 days. 11 days between Chris Wilson going in there, offering him, and then they do the, the virtual visits. They get fami- mm-hmm. He gets familiar enough with Carl Durrell, with, with uh, the coaching staff. 11 days to pull that one off. So, I mean, really just an overall impressive get by Chris Wilson, um, which was the first defensive lineman that, that he's brought in kind of on his own merit. Um, of course, Alan Baugh, the defensive end from Florida, who was uh, the, the first commit in Carl Durrell era, Darrell had some family connections to Alan Baugh from his time with the Miami Dolphins. Darrell and the Baugh family were familiar with each other. Alan himself had known Darrell prior to, to, bidding, to committing to Colorado. So Chris Wilson certainly played a role in that. Let's, let's not understate that, that his fingerprints were, were on the, the Alan Baugh commitment. But with Tyus Martin, you really get the sense that this was kind of Chris Wilson alone, identifying a target in kind of a unique part of the country that Colorado is not really – had a presence in in years past and in decades past, frankly. And in the span of 11 days, offers, virtual visits, boom, commitment, and Colorado comes away with a really impressive get. So do you know why it was that Chris Wilson, I mean, first of all, like why he went into Arkansas, like why that was even something that would cross his mind, but then also why Tyus was willing to just go with Chris Wilson and say, hey, okay, Obviously, he's a great coach. Obviously, you can point to, like, the Fletcher Cox stuff and yeah. all the experience and the Super Bowl ring. But why was he so willing to just go to Colorado after 11 days? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I certainly think, like, Chris Martin or, or Chris Wilson, rather, and just having that NFL background played a pretty big role within this one. Um, the times I had talked to Tyus, I mean, that was the first thing he mentioned. Like, I mean, always just kind of talking about NFL and – and especially, I, I want to say, Tyus has a, a trainer, a, just a guy he works out with regularly, like in Arkansas, who's actually Chris Wilson's cousin. So I think oh. probably would be fair to say, like, that kind of helped grease the wheels, get those two acquainted with each other, um, mm-hmm. Tyus Martin and Chris Wilson. But um, I'm totally drawing a blank right now. Tyus Martin literally was like, I want to say he was a Virginia Tech commit. Um, Virginia Tech commit from, like, April to late June – walked off of his uh, verbal pledge to the Hokies, was on the market for a few weeks. And even from the first time I talked to him, he had made it pretty clear. It's like, yeah, I, I want to make a call sooner rather than later. I don't want to just be like lingering on the market, if you will. And really, I mean, not to take away from the, the effort that, that Chris Wilson put in, but in some capacity, just right place at the right time, I think. I mean, this kid fresh off a of decommitment, Chris Wilson goes in there, offers – makes a successful sales pitch and and boom it kind of just was a, a pretty bang bang situation as i mentioned 11 days like pretty dumbfounding to be quite honest like how, how chris wilson pulled this one off in so little amount of time but i think he clearly resonated with tyus in terms of come to colorado i can develop you into an nfl caliber player i can develop you into a citizen of the world like really i mean that that is something that all the colorado coaches i think mm-hmm. are pitching to the guys they're recruiting just um developing them into the good young men as well as well to as well as uh, good football players but i think yeah kind of kind of the case of a right place at the right time and chris wilson just managed to slide in and 
and get this one done in a pretty amazingly short amount of time. Yeah, that was really quick. Um, so I obviously haven't been following recruiting as closely as you have. Mm-hmm. Who else has Chris Wilson been going after? You know, yeah. is this really the first guy that he has just really pushed hard for? Or is, is this like a shift from where he's been going after maybe some four-star guys and coming right. up just a little bit short in the way that we talked about Demetrius Martin, maybe coming up just a little bit short with some of those types of guys and now resetting and saying, you know what? Let's just find a guy I like, a three-star, and just saying, we're going in, we're getting him, we're getting mm-hmm. him quick because that's the kind of program we can sell. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, how long did Chris Wilson have Ty Smarton on his radar, perhaps dating back to when he was committed to Virginia Tech. Couldn't tell you. I don't know. Um, one thing I have noticed with Chris Wilson and kind of just in general, I mean, obviously this is going to be a smaller class for Colorado, significantly smaller than the 2020 class. I'd probably take the under on 17 commits in total, okay. just if we're, if we're laying out the numbers like that. But um, I have kind of observed, like, it doesn't seem like the coaches, whether it is Chev, whether it's Chris Wilson, doesn't seem like they're, they have five or six or seven or eight guys that they're kind of actively pursuing simultaneously. It really appears to be on the smaller side. Like they really have a select few, two to three guys max that they're really like honing in on. And Chris Wilson, you could probably say the same for. Um, other, I mean, Tyus Martin, yeah, kind of just appeared pretty abruptly as a blip on Colorado's radar. And of course, Chris Wilson pulled it off but really other than that I, I know he was um and, and we talked about this last um the last time you had me on the show but um this defensive tackle from right outside of philly his name's uh, isaiah rogers he is kind of if you look at the offer sheet he, he's a he's a two-star recruit doesn't have a lot of power five interest you do kind of get the feeling that chris wilson maybe had an eye on him during his time with the eagles i mean the dude mm-hmm. goes to high school literally like five miles away from uh from downtown philadelphia so there, maybe there, there's something to connect there, but Isaiah Rogers was kind of the other guy that Chris Wilson seemed to be pretty hot on. Now, of course, that was before Tyus Martin was brought into the fold. I don't even know if I'd go as far to say as Colorado's taking another defensive lineman in this, in this class. Um, now, oh. kind of the interesting dynamic with, with Chris Wilson and his recruiting is, like, if you keep an eye on Brian Michalowski and how he recruits, like, he recruits a lot of defensive ends, like a lot of, like, hybrid kind of players – you rarely, you don't really see Chris Wilson offering strict defensive ends. He seems to be focusing more of his attention towards the interior defensive line with huh. his offers and, and who he pursues. Ty Smart, of course, being a, a good indicator of that. But yeah, to, to answer your question, like before Ty Martin, I, I would have probably said Isaiah Rogers, that, that t- defensive tackle from outside of Philly, was kind of the guy he was focusing on, focusing um, most heavily on before Martin came into the fold. Now that he is committed and, and hopefully Colorado can hang on to him until signing day approaches, um, that's another conversation for another day, just who's going to come knocking at the door and try to weasel him away from, from his uh, Colorado verbal. But Buffs very well might be good to go at, at the D-line spot for, for the 2021 class. Maybe they have one more, one more spot. They could, they couldn't, like kind of up in the air at this point. Okay, that makes sense. Um... Let's move on to Tyron Taylor now. Yeah, yeah. So Tyron isn't as highly regarded as a recruit. You know, Tyus Martin is seen as somebody who could be near the top of the Buffs class when this all shakes out. Tyron will not be. 
likely, unless like the stars change and there's all that. Why is that? And and what do you think that the Buffs saw in Tyron that made uh, them want him to be a Buff? Well, I mean, I think absolutely Demetrius Martin kind of honed in on him, located a guy that he thought he could make an impression with, um, build that connection. And also, I mean, I, I think turned his film on and saw a lot of things to like. I mean, the dude's got really good footwork. Me- mechanically, seems pretty sound. Physical, absolutely. Not afraid to, to get off blocks, make tackles. Covers his wide receivers pretty well. Like, he's the type of guy that I think has a solid framework in place in terms of what he already does well. To where him and Meet Martin are going to hit it off famously, I think, by the time he gets out to Boulder. And what we did observe with Demetrius Martin a bit earlier in this recruiting cycle, quite frankly, were a couple swings and misses. I mean, we saw that with Jameer Johnson, a really highly touted blue chip guy from Southern California. Buffs appeared to be a final three, final four contender. He chose Texas. We saw that with Devin Kirk, another four-star guy who ended up choosing UCLA. So, I mean, very quickly, Demetrius Martin did flex his Southern California recruiting muscles and, and came pretty respectably close given the pandemic, given the first year staff, like given not being able to have a prior relationship with these guys, at least under the roof of Colorado. So unfortunately didn't get it done with a couple of uh, four-star guys on the, the West coast and, and boom locates Tyron Taylor straight out of North Carolina, another place where Colorado hasn't exactly had a Titanic footprint, if you will, in the, in the recruiting <laughs> scene. But I mean, Tyron Taylor is a guy I very much feel like, has more attention coming his way, has more power five offers coming his way. I mean, Tyus Martin, for sure, Tyron Taylor, like these are going to be guys that Colorado will have to fight to hang on to. I mean, if if you think they're done getting offers, then I think I've got some bad news for you. But from what I see on film, there's a lot to be excited for with with Tyron Taylor just being a a shutdown cornerback, someone that really fits the mold as a person who can come in and work well with Demetrius Martin and just have that kind of blueprint already in place to where Meet Martin is going to be able to develop his game even further. But, I mean, yeah, really, really exciting um, kind of back-to-back commitment days for, for Colorado last week with, uh, with Martin and, and Tyron Taylor. And, and both of those guys, really, whether it's from a film perspective or kind of just appreciating Colorado going into these states that they historically haven't had that much of a presence in, pretty, honestly, pretty solid gets in, in both guys. Yeah, I really agree. And you know, with Tyron Taylor, he looks like a like a number one corner, like your ace corner, the guy that you can line up. You know, with the six foot two, one seventy five, yeah. like just super lanky. It doesn't seem like there are matchups that you would really be scared of. In the way that you know, a KJ Trujillo, who I think is a guy who's going to be a really good football player, he may fit better in the slot someday. You know, being kind of the undersized, a little gritty, not quite so much a outside put him on Megatron type of yeah. guy. And I think that that is really exciting to see him come in with like the skill set to not make those mistakes. And really that's what it's about when you get to play as that number one guy. Um, I don't know. It's just such an exciting time for bus yeah. recruiting. And it was such a fun couple of days seeing that happen. Um, since then there has been some more news, um, some quarterback stuff that I want right. to talk about, but first, Breckenridge Brewery, uh, one of my favorite partners. I've been drinking a lot of Breckenridge beers. Um, if you guys watched the DMBA show last week on Friday, uh, we uh, shotgunned a bunch of beers just because it was a Friday. I got Vanilla Porter Jr. all over everything. And uh, 
including my laptop, which is still kind of sticky, but it's a lot of fun in the same way that everything you do with Breckenridge beers is fun. And so I really can't recommend them enough. You should try the 15 can sampler, the, uh, mile high city copper lager, uh, so many good beers. Uh, you can also go get some food from the farmhouse at their campus down in Littleton. Uh, if you're still doing the curbside, uh, pickup, then you can use the code DNVR when you order online to save $5. Uh, you can also get delivery or you can just show up there and eat there because they are open now if you're comfortable with that. Um, also, check out the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you where you can get all of your favorite Breckenridge beers. And uh, yeah, that's that. So let's talk about quarterbacks. Um, and let's start with Maddox Cop, yeah. who the buffs have offered who, you know, I've seen rank somewhere in that like 15 to 20 range in terms of the top pro style quarterbacks in the country. Why should Buffs fans be excited by a guy like Maddox Cobb? Well, I mean, he, he participated in the, uh, the elite 11, like pretty much like the premier, like quarterback competition, um, for, for up and coming recruits and really has seen his recruitment take off since then. I think a lot of people, including Colorado, took notice. Um, when I talked to Maddox most recently, a couple days ago, apparently Chev was, was kind of the guy that first got on him. But Chev initially made an overture last fall. So that's kind of interesting in and of itself that, um, that Darren Cheverini had kind of been in touch for, for that long. Um, and then, yeah, really after the Elite 11 performance where he flexed his arm, really did kind of fit the bills like that, that solid, like, pocket passing quarterback with a strong arm um Colorado and Ole Miss both uh, offered um I have heard Houston it is like recruiting him pretty hard I mean the, the dude is from Houston as well so like kind yep. of flying him away from the hometown school seems seems like it'll be a little hard um Maddox did announce that he's going to release a top five at the beginning of August and I would be amazed frankly if Colorado does not make the cut I think even right off the bat just having his first Pac-12 offer um, seeing his recruitment start to take off, the, the relationships he's starting to build with, with Carl Durrell, Janie Langsdorf, and, and Chev, um, I think the Colorado offer definitely is, is, um, has had him take notice of, of the Buffs, for sure. Um, and, yeah, just as, as the Buffs like, continue to kind of navigate where they want to go with the whole 21, 2021 quarterback situation, like, it is nice now that there are a couple targets on the board, and, and, and Maddox Cop, of course, being one of them now. Like, after, I don't want to say fiasco, but um, it seemed like Colorado did have a good chance to come down with Clay Millen, who ultimately, mm -hmm. as we talked about last time, chose the Wildcats, went with Arizona. After that happened, it did seem a little bit like we're back to the drawing board. Let's, let's reevaluate. Let's find some new targets. And now there is, yeah, there's a good handful of guys that Colorado has either offered or is like kind of flirting around with um, thinking about offering. And, and Maddox Cop out of that group. Um, I, I mean, really just in terms of like pro style arm strength, really just like traditional pocket passing quarterback. Like he's probably the guy who fits that bill the best. Um, but definitely the, the arm strength is what I think ex will, will excite people the most. And that's certainly what stuck out to me the most about him. Yeah. And you know, he, he definitely is like a pocket passer, but he does have some mobility. And, yeah. and that's something that we have heard from uh, Langsdorf that, he wants to see accuracy and he wants you to be able to create something out of nothing. And I feel like that's something that when you just say pocket passer, 
it doesn't feel like Maddox Cop has a lot of that. Like he's not Patrick Mahomes and his ability to like get away from people and throw from weird arm angles, but he does have just a little bit of that in him. And it does all kind of start with that big arm where he just stretches the defense out and he's hitting guys on the money and they aren't just like moonshots that are dropping in. Like he can put something on that football. He's, yeah. he's six foot five and he's filled out. I don't know. Watching his tape is a lot of fun. Um, you know, I was telling you about my feelings about Mike Chandler, uh, another yeah. uh, Texas quarterback before this, um, who has like the preferred walk-on option. Mm-hmm. He's a lot of fun in like the exact opposite way. Like he actually has like a decent arm, better than I would expect for somebody who's like five eleven and a half. I think is what he listed at, at like the regional. But he's like this little magician. He has, like, some of that, like, Lamar Jackson, like, I'm just going to run straight at you, and you're still no. not going to be able to tackle me because I'm just going to give you, like, a little hip shake and get by you. And he has all those really fun things, but also, like, the 70 touchdowns to seven interceptions heading into his senior year. He has, like, obviously the rushing touchdowns. He had, like, 24 of those last year. And I find myself getting really excited about him, a guy who, you know, he's – I've actually seen him listed, like, quarterback slash athlete. Like, maybe that's yeah. not even his position at the next level. But to see him as a preferred walk-on, he's a guy who I can get excited about. Maddox Cop is a guy who I can get extremely excited about. And I'm just kind of curious what other guys are there that we should be keeping an eye on when it comes to these quarterbacks. Yeah, so probably the, the guy who would be my kind of my first and foremost answer, um, his name's Caden McMullen. He's from O'Fallon, Missouri. He's not picked up a Colorado offer. Um, his offer sheet now primarily represents um, – G5 schools, no, I think Colorado's is only like power five school that's been talking to him right now. Um, but for example, like Idaho, uh, UNLV, Tennessee Martin, okay. Alabama A&M, like these are the, that's kind of the, the crop of his offer sheet, if, if that paints enough of an accurate picture. But when you talk about a guy who's able to kind of do both, um, I actually interviewed Caden really yesterday. And I, I asked him, I was like, you are listed as a pro style quarterback on your rivals pr- profile page, but I mean, turn your film on, like, you certainly are a bit of an escape artist. You have a really good, powerful arm on the move, an accurate arm that can dish the ball out um, on the run or on the move. And verbatim, what he said, he's like, I would describe myself as a pro-style QB who can run. And I honestly, I really like that answer mm-hmm. um, because I think it does appropriately kind of describe what he brings to the table when you, when you turn on his film. And getting back to your point about what we've heard from uh, Danny Langsdorf, I mean, number one, accuracy. That, that was the biggest thing that he looks for in a quarterback. Accuracy, strong arm. And I think to, he kind of went on to say, he's like, well, like, give me those two things. But if, he, if the guy can run, that's, all, that's always a bonus, just having a quarterback who can run. So Colorado has kind of been sending him graphics, been in touch um, since early June. They, again, they have yet to offer. But Cade McMullen, similar to Maddox Cop in, they both are kind of seeing their recruitment blossom right now, later as opposed to, to earlier. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he reels in some more significant offers. Um, Caden McMullen, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, does kind of strike me maybe as, as a dude playing the long game, as is the case with Maddox Cup. But Max Cop, they, they might take a little bit of time before they actually like pull the trigger and commit, just seeing what offers come on their come across their their desk. Um, but that's yeah, another guy definitely to keep an eye on. Um, I could see Colorado dishing out an offer at some point soon, but. Just given that Colorado did offer Maddox Cop, like probably fair to say he's the top of the boards guy right now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Caden McMullen, another name to keep an eye on. Drew Carter has kind of been a forgotten dude. Um, he's from the Pacific Northwest, from Oregon. Colorado offered, offered him a couple months ago. Actually, I want to say they offered him before they got on – they started pursuing Clay Millen. Um, he was a guy that maybe seemed to fall off the radar a little bit, drop down the boards, but I, I do think he is a guy that's still in the conversation, still someone to keep an eye on. And then lastly would be the, the UNLV commit, Cameron Friel um, from Hawaii, has been committed to UNLV since May. Colorado has been talking to him since around that time. Danny Langsdorf did officially pull the trigger and offer him a few weeks ago. So that will be the final kind of piece of this puzzle. Um, Cameron Friel, Drew Carter, Maddox Kopp, and Caden McMullen. Like th- those guys right now I think are the four scholarship potential dudes that, that Colorado is keeping in consideration uh, when looking at the, the 2021 quarterback. All right. That's good stuff. Um, before we get out of here, uh, we should talk about this basketball stuff oh, yeah. because the basketball recruiting has just been like – been blowing up Uh i guess i mean the the thing about basketball is that that means they've signed two guys and one of them's been signed for like a year but they make another signing and so all of a sudden you have most of a class filled out and it's filled out by some pretty talented guys but first uh need to talk about msu denver online uh a great school uh we cannot recommend it enough i've told you before that harrison and Allie are taking classes there harrison is having the time of his life. He says that it's relevant content. It's built to give you skills that are useful in the real world. Um, and not just, well, as he says, bullshit fodder that you'll never apply after the class is over. And since that's like written in the ad sheet, I think I'm allowed to say it. Um, he says it's convenient. Obviously he works a full-time job and he's able to build his classes around what he already does, what he's already doing in his life. Um, it's, it's great stuff. He says the teachers really care and that they're very engaged with him and that he really appreciates that. And that it has been useful. If you guys want more information about MSU Denver online, you can go to msudenveronline.com or no msudenver.com slash online, or you can reach out to Allie or Harrison to talk about this kind of stuff. And they would love to answer your questions. Also, World Golf Tour, the official gaming partner of DNVR. WGT is the most popular golf game in the world with over 20 million players. Um, It's a super cool game. You can play all sorts of different courses. They're all like digitally made to look super cool. I I know that that didn't make any sense, but like it's like they take pictures and turn it into a golf course. And so it actually looks super realistic. Like you're actually playing St. Andrews or Beth Page Black or uh, what else is in there? Pebble Beach. So there, there are so many different options, and you get to play with like real equipment too, like Titleist, Ping, all that kind of stuff. It just is so submersive and so much fun. Uh, we've been playing a lot at DNVR, especially with the tournaments that we host every week. Uh, typically get, what, I guess there are 250, about 350 people who are in on uh, DNVR's WGT clubhouses, and we're all just playing every weekend, and it's a lot of fun. And if you want to join us, you can go to dnvrgolf.com, and it will uh, let you download the app so that you can join us, join our clubhouse, and we will be all set to play a bunch of golf together. All right. Uh, now, basketball stuff. Um, the big news here, Quincy Allen 
the forward who seems like a scoring machine, like a, like, like a guy who could be a true star. Like that's, that's what I see when I look at him because he has like the touch and he has the floaters and he can make the layups, but also he has like the jumper from deep and he can pull up off the dribble. He has this very well-rounded, fairly polished offensive game. That's really exciting. Um, and you know, let's just start with what are your kind of impressions of, of him and what can he do for the buffs? Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, like this very much is a guy that the Tad Boyle, Mike Rhodes see is being able to come in and play as a freshman. I mean, absolutely. When, when you think of um, losing McKinley Wright, Deshaun Schwartz, the, the, the personnel that Colorado will not be retaining for the 2020-2021 the season. I'm sorry, um, the, the season after that. Yeah, 21-22. Yeah, yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I do get the sense with how Boyle and Roan are structuring this 2021 class. Like they want to bring in guys that can play right off the bat. And, and there is going to be a need for that. But I mean, recruiting victory wise. Wow. I mean, you go into Washington, DC, pluck a blue chip <laughs> out from right under the nose of, of Michigan, of Georgetown. I mean, mm-hmm. you think of Quincy Allen picking Tad Boyle in Colorado over some of those powerhouse programs. And I mean, that is really an exciting, a solid recruiting victory for, for Tad Boyle, Mike Rohn and company. But, but I mean, excitement-wise, absolutely. Dude, really, really to get excited about. Um, has a lot, of, a lot of tools in his belt. Could be a really dynamic offensive threat. Um, I mean, anytime Tad Boyle brings in a recruit, I'm always kind of find, finding myself curious about the defense because you know damn well Tad expects that <laughs> of you guys. It doesn't matter if he you're – He challenges McKinley Wright. He challenges Evan Batty. Like, he is a very hard-nosed, defensive-oriented coach. And so that is something that I feel like should be in the conversation more often than not when we look at the guys that are, that are coming in. It's like, where do they stand defensively? What can they do defensively? And how is Tad Boyle going to challenge them to be defensive assets, re- defensive rebounding assets for this team? But, I mean, as, as much excitement there is around Quincy Allen, I mean, I, for one, still have not gotten over Lawson Lovering and, and what an absolute steal I think he's going to end up being. Knock on wood, when he and, and Quincy Allen do sign their NLIs as opposed to get out of this wonderful uh, verbal commitment stage that we all love so much. Um, but, I mean, Lawson Lovering re- recently was elevated, at least on, on rivals. And mm-hmm. I think I, I want to say the, the other 24-7, the other, other recruiting services did the same, but got a pretty significant rankings spike um went from a three-star to a four-star at least on 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 my side on rivals now ranked as the number nine center in the nation for 2021 pretty much kind of from the the boonies from the middle of nowhere right in cheyenne wyoming um but i mean man i I turn on his film and what started as like okay i'm I'm seeing mostly dunks and 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 him kind of flexing his seven foot frame over the Mm -hmm. wyoming high school kids then you start to see him stroke the three-pointer which 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 uh, which wet, wets the mouth, the appetite for sure. Then yeah. I start seeing him, I mean, just being able to dish the ball around and, and, and assist and just moving the ball, really being this kind of floor commander. And so whether it's Lawson Lovering, Quincy Allen, Colorado Buffaloes have the number six class in the nation right now with a lot of time to go, disclaimer for sure. But both of those, those guys, like, wow, really, really looking solid as the t- class of 2021 comes together and, Boyle and Mike Rohn certainly have got Colorado in the right direction when it comes to building one of the best classes potentially that this university has ever brought in. Yeah, you know, and that's before you even talk about Lawson Lovering's defense. 
Yeah. You know, if you talk about like the shooting and the passing and all that stuff, and I'm sure there's plenty that needs to be polished, but just having a true seven footer out there on the court is so huge in college basketball. And I feel like in my short time covering college basketball, that's what I've seen is that, you know, Dallas Walton went through his ups and downs and the injuries and all that kind of stuff where he, he had moments where he was a very important part of what the bus were doing, but there were also games where he just didn't factor in. Mm-hmm. In the Pac-12, you see these one-and-done guys, these, like, whatever, seven-foot, six-foot, 11 guys who are going on to be top 10 NBA picks. And every year it feels like there's a new Zeke Najee or whoever who's going to come in and cause problems if you don't have somebody who is a true seven-footer who can go out there and just go toe-to-toe, and you might not win that matchup on both ends every time. But loss and lovering means that you're at least in that battle which is so nice. And I think Dallas Walton can provide that too as we like approach the end of his career um, as mm-hmm. he like gets past the injuries and, and starts to find a consistent role in the rotation. But those are just such big boxes to check, you know, especially when you already have your guards covered with Dominique Clifford, Keyshawn Bartholomew, guys who you can get excited about so easily, bringing in a wing, which you're seeing in the NBA, becoming more and more important, being able to defend out there, being able to score from out there, but then also just a seven-footer to round everything out and just say, you know what, by the book, if you just have a seven-foot center, you're going to be winning a lot of matchups against teams that are undersized as you go through your non-conference schedule or even in some conference games, but then also you can go toe-to-toe with anybody, uh, whether that's, you know, the the middle of the pack pack 12 teams that have some talent there or whether it is a true blue blood, you can at least match up and look like you belong. It's so exciting. Um, you know, but before we get out of here, I'm curious how much more you think Tad Boyle's going to want to add to this class. You know, it, mm-hmm. we've seen, I guess last year, I think they brought in four guys the year before that they brought in two. Um, where does this fit on the scale? You know, with, uh, Deshaun leaving, uh, Kinley leaving. Do you expect to see two more guys come in here? Yeah, I, I think. Well, I think Tad now has three more scholarships for the class of 2021. Okay. When you factor in, uh, yeah, McKinley, Deshaun, and why am I drawing a blank here? I think there's one more. Uh, Dry Horn. Well, he's a grad transfer, so will he? he well, yeah, he also. Why is scholar- it so hard? His scholarship will come open though, right? Yes, he will be good. Thank you. Okay. Um, So Ken, Deshaun Schwartz, and yeah, um, dry a horn. It's hard, yeah. (laughs) It's just like pulling guys by their class (laughs) off the top of your head. No. Um, So he he will have three more scholarships. Um, I would kind of expect, I mean, obviously all of those to be used for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. But also kind of what we saw – uh, back in like April, when when they did get dry a horn, like that 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 spring boost, if you will, that really just yeah. like brought in a couple more guys, Jabari Walker as well. Yeah, I can see the same thing happening. Like maybe they don't get another verbal commitment this fall. Perhaps they will, but I I could see some significant action action happening in kind of that realm of yeah February March April. Just that that that's what they were able to do in the this this past spring, bringing guys in and kind of rounding out the class. I think it will be five guys. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, okay. I wouldn't imagine Tad would just like, so yeah, yeah. Well, we don't need to bring anyone else. In. Yeah. Good. Like just so, offer like one of the walk-ons a scholarship. Yeah, like yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it should be a, a full five person class considering the, the seniors that won't be here in, in two years time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, talk about getting off on on the right foot with with two four stars, the number six ranked class in the nation, which is just still it's kind of asinine to to think. But I know interested to see what what Tad and Mike Rohn are able to do. Um, they 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 got lost in Lovering. They, they went into Wyoming, got a guy who was under recruited, undervalued, underappreciated. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. now he has kind of received that uh, recruiting rankings justice, if you will. He is a four star prospect, the number nine center in the nation. And then yeah, blue chip winger and uh, and Quincy Allen. So definitely it's a, a little little bang bang, some some blue chip action. And the sky's the limit at this point. Like who knows who else uh, Tag could bring in? But I, I I think there'll be some some good guys in store that that should excite uh that should excite Buff Nation accordingly when it's all said and done. Yeah, you know, and when I've been thinking about it, you know, I, I really do think that just holding on to those scholarships, giving yourself some flexibility in the spring, makes the most sense because. You know, I'm excited to see Dominique Clifford and Keyshawn Bartholomew and, you know, those two could play really well and Eli Parquet could play really well. And then you start saying like, well, there's the guard rotation. Those are the three you want to have for these next couple of years. Or, you know, as high as we all are on them, there could be a situation, you know, knock on wood where we're saying they're good basketball players, but they are still young and it's yeah. going to take some time. And so maybe you do patch it up by bringing in, a veteran, uh, some grad transfer who can come in and kind of steady the ship and maybe be your third guard coming off the bench, something like that, or start if that's what happens. Um, or, you know, if, if things do go well, maybe it is you say we can take on a bit of a project as a guard because these guys are playing so well, this guy's yeah. not going to play for a couple years anyway. And, and they are going to have that flexibility. And what's so nice is that they just have two pieces that they know that they need locked up and now they can just kind of battle any issue that would kind of surprise if it came up. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, you, you obviously, we approach the, the end of the, the McKinley Wright era, the Deshaun Schwartz era, that really, really solid 2017 class now that Bay has gone as well. And it is nice yeah. since, since Batty had to take that red shirt, you, you get him for another year, but from everything I've seen, when you look at who Colorado was able to bring in, with the 2020 class, the direction that this 2021 class is setting, I really find myself increasingly confident that there, there's not going to be a beat skipped, if you will. The, the, yep. the McKinley Wright era is not going to end. There's going to be a few years to figure things out again, and then perhaps a new, a new era of, of consistently solid Colorado basketball will be upon us. Like Everything I've seen suggests to me that the personnel, Tad Boyle, Mike Rowan bringing in for 2020 and 2021, like, they very well might be in a really, really solid position when the time comes when they do lose this this highly touted class of 2017 that was able to do so many great things for, for the university. But in terms of, yeah, Colorado men's basketball recruiting, like a lot to be excited about right now with who's coming in in 2020 and definitely the direction and the shape that this 2021 class has, has been taking. Yeah, and I like what you said about not missing a beat because that's really what it is. Like, you know, you lose Tyler Bay you lose Lucas Seward, Shane Gatling, but you bring in these guards and now you're confident that you have like probably a real backup point guard so that you don't, your offense doesn't just disappear when McKinley Wright is gone. And like losing Tyler Bay is a big loss, but you are kind of bolstering right there. Bringing in Jariah Horn, I think he's going to fit in really well. And I, I don't necessarily mean to say that he's better to have than Tyler Bay, but I think that that gap could be a little bit smaller than some people realize because of the way his skill set meshes with the other pieces. Then you talk about the other young guys getting your experience, and it's easy to see how they could just find the same success this year that they had before the last month of last season. 
And then after that, you know, you lose Kin. Well, then you have Evan Batty in what should be his best season. And maybe that's not something you look at and say, hey, we're building something there. But then you remember that you have those young guards coming through and that they will be at the point where, again, they're not going to be Kin at that point, but they're going to be a lot of fun. And you can combine that with Batty. And that's another year where you could see them competing for Pac-12 championship. After that, those guards turn into juniors. These kids we're talking about now are soft. Like the buffs are set up to be competitive for five years now. And that is just so nice to see. Definitely, definitely agree. And, and even kind of like, if you kind of take the the money ball approach to this, when, when you look at what are we losing without Tyler Bay? Okay. Well, 14 points, 10 rebounds a game. Where is that going to come from in 2020 and beyond? And, is Jariah Horn going to give you that himself? Maybe not. Maybe he does. I, I, I'd probably say no um, mm-hmm. all by himself. I don't know if he'll average those numbers. I'd agree. Um, but, I mean, it kind of – at face value that with Jariah Horn, with the personnel coming in for 2020, also having solid senior leadership, tested players with, with Ken and, and Deshaun Schwartz and Evan Batty and, God willing, a, a healthy and consistent uh, Dallas, Walt, Dallas Walton. Yeah. But, Kind of, yeah, just if, if you want to take the, the money ball approach to, okay, what are we losing in terms of points and rebounds per game and where are they coming from? There's a lot of avenues where I think Colorado can make up for what they're losing with Bay, with Shane Gatling, with Lucas Seward. Granted, some of that is going to have to come from untested freshmen, which I honestly have a pretty good feeling about. I mean, we'll see what Me happens. Too. But the likes of Luke O'Brien, Neat Clifford, Jabari Walker, mm-hmm. really guys that, that I have confidence in come in and see some some good minutes as, as true freshmen. But I think you hit the nail right on the head. Like the, the way things are, are forecasting right now, like Colorado looks to be in a pretty good spot in terms of being an, an upper echelon competitive Pac-12 basketball program for the next three, four, five years as these recruiting classes continue to shape up and with a lot more room to go with, uh, with 2021. Totally agree. Uh, I think that's going to do it for today. Uh, we'll have Justin back whenever we have another week where uh, they, the Buffs sign two awesome <laughs> football players and also one of the best basketball players in the country. Uh, hopefully that's pretty soon. Uh, thank you, Justin, for coming on, sharing your insight with us. And uh, I will be back tomorrow with another podcast. I think they like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play. Colorado swag, my Colorado swag.